This is Anshu Bahanda on Wellness Curated. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. My mission is to empower you with health and wellness so that you can then go and empower others. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Fegel. Thank you very much for the invitation. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with, how do you know if your hormones are in balance? Uh, that is a very big question and not easy to answer. But if, we, if you allow me to make a step backwards, the hormones are, the, uh, uh, hormones are produced by your body. And your body is trying with the performance of the hormones to stimulate either this organ or this function to improve and to accelerate or another function to, for example, to rest. A very simple example is the cortisol that is produced in the morning allows us to wake after eight hours of sleep and I can start my day energetically. And the melatonin that is produced then at the end of the day is allowing me to rest and to sleep, to find recovery during the nighttime. Yes. If I do experience that one of my performances, normal metabolic uh, uh, acts or the rhythms in my life, no matter if it is now the menstrual rhythm or if it is the daily, the circadian rhythm, is somehow disturbed or is not working properly, this is then the moment when you should consider a testing, a laboratory testing maybe, and the consultation of a physician to check your hormones to be in a normal and physiological range or not. Okay, so what do you mean when you say the test that one of the rhythms of the body is not working? If you find it, for example, difficult to awake in the morning, and for example, two years ago, that was absolutely not a problem. That Mm -hmm. is something. If you do suffer from sleeping issues, and those sleeping issues are not uh, um, based on and higher number of concerns, for example, or restlessness of the feet. It is just not, you are, you are experiencing that you are not able to rest anymore successfully. Or with women or young women, but also with uh, the more experienced uh, women's, women, uh, changes in the menstrual cycle, uh, they cannot explain with changes in life's, uh, uh, lifestyle, for right. example, or the uh, years they are uh, alive. Okay. And um, what is the earliest age you would say? Because a bunch of people here have Mm -hmm. young daughters and things. What is the earliest age that these symptoms can show up? Uh, When it comes to... Hormone imbalance in early childhood is normally first visible as a delay in growth of height or a delay in development of age-adequate muscles, for example. If children stay very childish, Mm -hmm. although they are 11 or 12 or 13 years of age, that is something that shows, uh, or that could be a sign for a delayed uh, start of sexual hormone production, for example. If children in the uh, kindergarten or in the nursery are significantly smaller than the other children the same age, please consult a pediatric and the pediatric will compare the size and the weight and the strength of your children uh, to the statistic mean and is then measuring them 
has to be either fitting in a certain percentile or not. And accordingly, you are changing uh, then the recommendation of what hormones should be tested and what hormones not. Okay, so you were saying that if you feel your hormones are out of balance, then get your hormones tested. Uh, what is the best, if they are out of balance, mm -hmm. what is the best way then of getting them back in balance? Um, that very much depends on the hormone and the reason why the hormones are out of balance. Uh, for example, the most common reason for a hormonal imbalance is stress. Yeah? Right. And starvation. This is what we starvation. find very often. And starvation. This oh, is what wow. we very often find with the teenagers. Uh, if they are unhappy with the way of how the body is looking like, uh, because they are feeling themselves to be uh, overweight, for example, they stop eating very often. And if they at the same time also do intensive physical activity and exercise, they are producing at the same time a high amount of stress. And that is in case of uh, girls, for example, immediately stopping their ability to be fertile. Or in other words, their oh, menstrual right. cycle will stop immediately. Right. Another thing is, for example, if the boys, if boys uh, or girls are unhappy, stressed because of the divorce of uh, parents or because of the pandemic situation, for example, okay. uh, they stop physical activity and try to compensate this unhappiness and uncertainty by eating a lot of food or comfort oh, okay. food. Okay. And with that, they are making the body experience a lot of inflammation because of the indigestion, like we talked and discussed the last time we met. But because of this stress and inf uh, inflammation inside of the body, the hormonal change, hormone uh, balance is changing and they become very often estrogen dominant. And with the estrogen, domin uh, estrogen dominance, the, uh, the boys, for example, are not developing muscles enough. They stay small, uh, and uh, become a little bit obese. Uh, and the girls, for example, also experience a change in the menstrual circle with a very painful and very, um, very strenuous uh, uh, menstrual bleeding, and especially a PMS, a premenstrual syndrome, with massive pain and fatigue and spasms. Uh, yeah, those are all signs for a hormonal imbalance. So, in other words, if you allow me, if the hormones are out of balance, you experience your body not to be in balance. Okay. So, you're saying just be very observant and vigilant. Uh, be, not, be not anxious if changes in the routine are changing your reactivity, your metabolic state, that is just right. physiological. But right. if without any experienceable triggers to affecting you, uh, you are still in an extraordinary metabolic or emotional state. This is then the moment when you please should contact your uh, GP Fine. to do a proper hormonal testing. Okay. And, you know, when, while we're talking about teenagers, so I'm hearing about more and more people getting mm -hmm. polycystic ovary syndrome or PCOS as it's called. Mm -hmm. um, what is your view on that? What symptoms should typically someone be looking out for if they have a daughter and um, do you think we should be proactive with young girls and check before we see symptoms um as a very important for me is because polycystic ovaries are very common they are not limiting and uh, reducing your lifespan 
not yes. from the point of scientific uh, of scientific knowledge right now. So please yes. don't panic. And if someone is suffering from polycystic ovaries, it does not mean that this woman will not be able to conceive, for example, or mm -hmm. give birth to children and become a yes. grandmother, for example, or right. that this woman is is uh, is infertile or is will always suffer from pain. That is not the case. So very often. I meet very often clients that are carrying the diagnosed PCOD in front of them. And so, yes, that's not important. Uh, that's not right. Polycystic ovary syndrome or polycystic ovaries mean there are cysts on the ovaries examinate, uh, um, uh, visible. You examinate the ovaries or examinate this with an ultrasonic uh, test. Right. And you can make them visible. Secondly, You, if you measure in the blood the sexual hormones at the special states of the hormonal cycle, you will find the androgens, right. you will find the estrogen to be on the higher side. Right. That is, that is uh, a symptom, as a, not a symptom, but that is a criteria. And the third thing is uh, pain before the menstruation in a higher amount and quality, that is also normally a sign for an uh, polycystic ovary together with no ovulation at all. Okay. Together mm. with no ovulation. Okay. No ovulation. Yeah. The ovulation is normally taking place at day 15 of the menstrual cycle. Day 15 of the menstrual cycle means you count or you start counting with the first day of menstruation or bleeding. Uh -huh. And day at around day 15, You have the higher state of, uh, of estrogen inside of the uh, female body. And yes. this means an oval, uh, an oval follicle is ripening and then popping and bursting. Right, right. And this is, can cause an, uh, an irritation and a pain, normally typically on either the one or the other side, left or right. Right, right. And this is showing the moment when the body is uh, starting to produce more and more progesterone. Mm -hmm. And it's reducing its production of estrogen or the androgens. Okay. Yeah. So, the sorry, classic, sorry, I stopped you. You were saying something. Go ahead. No. The classic risk factor for the polycystic ovary syndrome or polycystic ovaries uh, is uh, obesity and the consumption yeah. of fructose or fruit sugar. Yeah. Uh, there are other uh, um, triggers that can so that can accelerate the development of cysts and then androgen um, androgen dominancy inside of the female body like for example a dysbiosis in the intestine that means mm -hmm. a fungal overgrowth for example after the usage of antibiotics something i very often see with uh, indian and asian and, yeah. uh, but also us american clients right. that are taking antibiotics Uh, uh, once they suffer from a bronchitis, for example, mm -hmm. or congestion, uh, congestion, uh, congestion and coughing, yeah. uh, with an antibiotic treatment, you affect the microbiome inside of the gut. Right. You're stimulating a fungal overgrowth, and the fungal yes. overgrowth is physiologically leading to an estrogen dominance, to an right. androgen dominance. And that can and stimulate... And that causes polycystic ovaries. That is aggravating That's the polycystic ovaries. Okay. Yeah. So would you suggest that the young girls get checked beforehand or should one wait for symptoms? 
Also, I think the most important, uh, the, 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 the way of how you can support your daughter or your grand, uh, granddaughter the best possible yeah. ways that yeah. you, yourself, yeah. and the girl are physically active. Yeah? Take her for a walk every day. Yeah? Not spinning, but take her for a walk every day for one hour. And it's very unlikely that she will uh, develop a polycystic ovaries. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, just so be you're physically saying active. If you're not active, the people who are not active develop it when yes. they're young. Yeah. That's and the other thing is, also uh, fruits are a high valuable source of antioxidants and vitamins. They are fantastic. But right. they are containing a form of sugar that requires all of our digestive possibilities and tools yes. to transform it into something that is beneficial for us. And uh, uh, protecting us from turning the fructose into something harmful for the liver. <clears throat> That's important to know because if our liver is struggling, uh, it is very often that our body is then uh, storing some special sugars, macro sugars inside of the ovaries. What is leading them to a, a, a buildup of cystic formations inside. Right. So please, if you are concerned because of the health of your daughter, but it's also true for the health of your son. Don't offer them uh, dried fruits. Uh -huh. Try to reduce the consumption of fruit juices, especially watermelon juice, pomegranate juice, right. uh, and honey also. And the third is uh, fruits, yes, but in smart quantities. That maybe means maybe one portion a day. That would be fine. Okay. So yeah. That's very interesting. And do you, it, so it's not hereditary, something like people. <clears throat> there, are, there are, of course, also rare polycystic ovary diseases existing that are related to an uh, higher, um, uh, to, a, to an hereditary factor. Yeah? If your mother, for example, suffered from it, it is, of course, increasing a little bit the chance that you are developing you it. Get it. Yeah. But look, your genes you have, uh, you can affect the performance of your genes mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. epigenetics. And epigenetics yeah. means with your lifestyle, mm -hmm. like for example, active physical lifestyle and reduction mm -hmm. of fruit sugar consumption, you are reducing the risk that you yourself and also because you affect the genes of your future, of, of your future daughters as well, Yes. and children as well, that you will develop polycystic ovaries. Okay. And mm -hmm. if someone does have it, what do you recommend they do for it? So, like I told you, physical activity, maybe practicing intermittent fasting. That means okay. you are fasting for 16 to 18 hours a day. That right. would, would be nice. And in those, six to, <laughs> in those six to eight hours where you are eating, please don't compensate on uh, the, me uh, the meals that you passed and mm -hmm. all the foods that you missed. But enjoy really a, a good variety in foods, not too many fruits, and stay away from juices. That would be great. Okay. Uh, in this combination, you can protect yourself very well and you can support yourself very well. You okay. can, of course, then also use herbs. You can, of course, also use them, uh, uh, a very intensive antifungal treatment to get free yourself from 
possible other triggers like, for example, the fungal overgrowth, for example. Or you can help yourself with the intake of bitter herbs like bittergut or carella or agnus castus to uh, make the body experience a high increase of the progesterone or the gastrogens. That is, of course, also possible to make you experience less symptoms and, it is, uh, in, and allowing your body to find back into a rhythm. Okay. Mm. And then the other thing is that, you know, for some reason, people are a lot of people are trying to have kids and it seems to be becoming more and more difficult. Now, very often people just say it's lifestyle. It'd be interesting to hear what you have to say about fertility. Um, the, the, the fact that uh, a woman or a couple is conceiving first and then uh, receiving a child, that is a blessing. Oh, yeah. It is a wonder and it's a miracle. So none of us is having right on that. Okay. Uh, but we, there are a few factors we can influence very positive mm -hmm. to increase the chance that it is happening. Uh, for conceiving, it is important that uh, the body of the woman is a good potential nest. And the nest is okay. built not on the windy place of a, of a tree, but on the safe and uh, cozy side of a tree. So if the woman is experiencing a lot of stress, emotional stress, or also the stress through an increase of environmental pollution, the stress yeah. of suffering from a lot of indigestion and mm -hmm. maldigestion, for example, the stress of inflammation caused by an injury, by a hormonal imbalance, for yeah. example, Although, or also, again, uh, the stress of not sleeping enough or being immobile, not physically active, that is making it more difficult for a woman to conceive. Right. And we do know in Austria, for example, that uh, the infertility is in more than 50% the, uh, the cause or caused by uh, the male infertility. Yes, also, yes. men have the duty and have the possibility to increase their fertility, the fertility and the activity of the sperms by being yes. physically active, reducing inflammation in their body. Uh, that is very important because men are building continuously sperms. So yes. the sperms that I use to impregnate the, uh, my wife and my partner, for example, were built today or maybe the last few days. Right. So the way of how I lift there is affecting dramatically the quality of the sperms. So right. please, man, we are in duty and in responsibility to increase our fertility and not only blame our women, wives. No, that's a very good point. So do you think a good, a simple diagnostic blood test is useful to start with or not? Uh, Important is really a proper examination okay. uh, with a woman, uh, women, sorry, with women, especially an ultrasonic examination of the pelvic organs, the ovaries, mm -hmm. uh, the tubes, the uterus, um, also an, an anamnesis, yeah, to the talk and uh, an examination and an assessment through asking questions. Right. Yeah. Uh, it is possible that someone is not ready to conceive because uh, a private situation is too stressful or the pandemic situation is causing too much of stress right. and in insecurity. Right. It's, not, it's not right. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. And now we come to again a huge topic of menopause, mm -hmm. and we had lots of questions on menopause. So, what is your view on menopause and on HRT, which mm -hmm. is what every woman asks at some stage in her life? Please. Uh, it is the hormonal change. The menopause is a hormonal change, and the hormonal mm -hmm. change is not an illness, and it is not a sign of a, a character weakness. If right. some women are suffering from more problems and symptoms than other women, it's not a sign for vitality. If you do not, uh, if you experience no symptoms, it's just a it's little just bit life. of luck, life and it. luck. Yeah, yeah? yeah absolutely. So. Uh, the, the hormonal change is uh, affecting your metabolism. It is affecting your hormones, of course. It's affecting your libido, your stress resistance. It is affecting your ability uh, to, to perform and your uh, ability to also rest. In this situation, you notice changes of your body and changes also in your mind. Uh, if a change is causing immediately a stress reaction inside of you, please start to read a little bit, inform yourself about the hormonal change yes. to relax a little bit. Yeah, because again, a hormonal change is not a disease. Secondly, if the symptoms are pushing you that far and that much out of your state of well-being that you say, my life is holding no quality, and I'm experiencing myself to, to be pushed out of health, mm -hmm. then please contact your physician, do a proper examination, do also a testing of your hormones. In my experience, best possible would be if you test your hormones at around day 23, 24 of your menstrual your cycle. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Because this is the moment where most likely the estrogen and the progesterone are the highest. Mm -hmm. And then slow decrease of the progesterone is becoming uh, visible the earliest and understandable. And in this situation, and after this examination, you can discuss either herbal mm -hmm. or also you can discuss uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. The classic hormone replacement therapy with synthetic hormones, I would be very, so I'm, I'm, I'm normally not uh, supporting because a hormone is something that is an effect on the body, but not only stimulating, but also calming effect. You need the hormone to have a negative feedback on the body at the same time, not only stimulation. Because with just stimulation, you suddenly experience then the negative side effects of a hormonal treatment. Right. Yeah. So, well, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 go ahead. Whereas the bioidentical hormones, for example, or also hormones or hormonal-like uh, phytotherapeutics, that means herbal remedies, they are not only stimulating, but also calming at the same time. So that the, uh, the chance that you experience a negative side effect of a hormonal therapy are going almost down to zero. It is, of course, possible that you are not liking the way of how it is affecting you. This is why I would recommend that really the consultation, the guidance yes. to find yes. for you the right remedy. So you're saying don't self-medicate here. Make sure you go with 
an experienced therapist? It's a little bit like it is with food. Yeah? What is good experienced by your neighbor or your sister can, not auto, can cause of harm inside of your body. Or yeah. yes. if it is not causing harm, at least it is not making you experience this, uh, the success you are expecting. So please consult someone who is knowing and who is experienced in treating clients either herbal or also with acupuncture, for example, okay. or ac uh, acupressure, um, or also bioidentical hormones. But the stay as a step number one is if you experience a hormonal change, no panic yeah. and take over control up to a certain point. Not find yourself with physical activity and exercise, but yeah. be a little bit more physically active. Reduce inflammation as much as possible inside of your body by avoiding maldigestion. Avoid poisons as good as possible. That is alcohol, that is nicotine, that is caffeine. Yeah? And also reduce a little bit the overall amount of caloric intake. That is easiest by reducing the consumption of juices, no matter of how well-meant the, the, the smoothie is that you are consuming, mm -hmm. uh, reduce it then in this situation. Okay. okay. So someone has said, should there be a general diet to be followed during perimenopause? Maybe to, to, name, uh, so to explain it like that. The hormonal change is leading to a change inside of your body and inside of your body's performance and organs performances. Right. That means it is changing the way of how well you digest something and how well you metabolize or how well you uh, react on a stressful situation. So if you already know what is putting stress on you uh, because you are not digesting it well or not feeling well by consuming it or after consuming it, please avoid this at least in your daily routine. It's not necessary to ban it completely out of your life, but create yourself um, a routine at home that is as friendly as possible, containing foods you find easy to digest, uh, introducing maybe a little bit of intermittent fasting, uh, avoid a little bit spices that are making hot and dry, yeah? Mm -hmm. Drink a good amount of water, hydrate yourself in between the meals because water is very important. It is allowing us and our organs to exchange and to, uh, to get rid of metabolic waste to yeah. avoid also the water, uh, water retention inside of the body. It is very important to have a good amount of water. The more hydrated you are, the yeah. less likely is it that you develop uh, water retention. And in the diet, please avoid poison and caffeine as good as possible. Okay. So you also said calorie counting, like cut down on calories. You said that in conversation at some point, right? The easiest would be that you just, for example, press, uh, um, perform the intermittent fasting. Yeah. Skip one meal and you at the end of the month will have consumed less calories than you consumed before that. Okay. That is the easiest. And and I'm not a big fan of diet in a way to count on the calories. Uh, please really have good meals, but chew them and consume them with awareness. Have small bites of them. Smell them if they attract you nicely. Enjoy them. Stop eating the moment you feel warm and relaxed inside of your stomach. Don't wait for this feeling of, 
bursting yeah. and bloated stomach, that, is, that was just too much. A meal should make you feel, so feel, uh, make you feel afterwards more alive than before. Lovely. Now the next question is, lifestyle or food recommendations for breast cancer diagnosis. Now this person is saying late 30s. Mm -hmm. It seems like one in every few women are being diagnosed with breast cancer. So firstly, why is that happening? And secondly, what should one do? Well, I, this is still topic of scientific uh, research all over the, the globe. Why? Mm -hmm the number of breast cancers are going high. Uh, it for sure has something to do with inflammation inside of the body. Okay. Uh, and inflammation, again, is uh, stress is another word for inflammation. <laughs> yeah? okay. uh, metabolic stress, that means the inability to nourish myself or also to perform according to my evolutionary plan for example, to be physically active, the stress of living in a more and more polluted environmental condition, the stress of being not nourished enough, that my are not satisfying my need for nutrients and trace elements especially, the stress of being more alert and longer awake than uh, the time that I allow myself to rest throughout the night. Mm -hmm. Melatonin is the sleeping hormone. And melatonin is a very strong antioxidant and is affecting women struggling with breast cancer normally in a very positive way because right. it is allowing them uh, to experience longer hours of repair and also of regeneration and defense, of course. Okay. If someone is suffering already from cancer, please don't starve yourself but make your body experience as often as possible, really hours where you are not consuming food or consuming uh, juices. Allow yourself really to do their intermittent fasting because okay. your immune system is your protection against cancer. And if your immune system has to protect you against the food that you consume and the out, outer world that you consume through the act of eating a meal, right. uh, it is strong in defending you against the cancer at the same time. Right. So either to the one or the other. And if you nourish yourself in, with awareness and with, in this relaxed state and allow your body then time enough to digest and to, to, uh, to rebalance and, and stabilize what you consume, what right. you have consumed, you strengthen yourself and prepare yourself in the best possible way to protect, so to fight the cancer as good as possible. Uh, when it comes to special foods and cancer, I would recommend, especially with breast cancer, to avoid everything that is whitish, creamy, cold, and slimy. That is White, creamy, creamy cold, uh, cold and, and slimy. Okay. That, in other words, no yogurt, no curd, no sour, uh, sour cream, for example, no paneer, please. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No milk. Uh, and also not to substitute those substances and foods uh, directly with, uh, for example, coconut yogurt or almond, uh, almond milk. That's not necessary. Not to. 
or no. to, sorry, yeah, to broker. No, no, re reduce the consumption of those white and slimy uh, things and be a little bit more clear and liquid. Clear liquid. And why clear. is that? Why, why are you saying that? Uh, because from the energetic understanding, yeah. uh, breast cancer, there are different types of breast cancer, but breast cancer is taking place in an organ that is a gland. And if you confront the gland with something that is sticky and creamy, you make the gland be blocked. And what is blocked? What did you say? What did you call it? If you consume something sticky, you make yeah. the gland be gland? blocked. The gland. Yeah. Gland. Gland. Yeah. The glandula. The gland. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Blocked. And when the gland is blocked, yeah. you stop the exchange. And if the exchange is stopped, you have an environmental condition that is supporting cancer and I is see. not helping cancer. That is not a very medical explanation that is more of an, uh, of an energetic, energetic explanation. Yes, 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 you will yes. find this, uh, uh, this explanation also, for example, in the traditional Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. In China, you say the breast cancer is a rich woman disease oh. because the rich woman is living the Western lifestyle, consuming right. milk. Ah, okay, yeah? okay. Okay. And the same lady is asking, is breast cancer along with a lupus diagnosis? <laughs> ah, lupus. Lupus is a, is a, lupus is a big capture, uh, capture capital. Uh, we still not 100% understand lupus. If you allow me to cut a, sh a long story short, lupus is inflammation. Do reduce inflammation inside of your body. And the big inflammation lupus will also be affected through this reduction in a positive way. And when I mention inflammation, please consider the, uh, the triggers that I mentioned before, yes. like pollution, mm -hmm. stress, uh, not resting enough, not, yeah. uh, consumption of food that you don't digest, dehydration, for example, just be stopped. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Now, someone's asking, does the practice help with hormone balancing? Of course. With yoga, you reduce stress. And like I told you, stress is the most common reason for hormonal imbalance. It is beautifully, it can, it is beautifully supporting. It is not always the solution because it can be that you are either hereditary or because of an accident or an hormonal or an, another uh, condition, not able to keep the hormonal balance. This is why I would kindly ask you if you, cons uh, if you suspect yourself to suffer from a hormonal imbalance without detecting or without out feeling connected to one of the triggers that might have caused it. Right. Uh, if you are uncertain what is causing it, then please contact a physician uh, and let uh, and let's start a proper examination on that. Okay. So now, uh, Dr. Fegel, someone's asking about you. You know how you said don't substitute it with a plant milk. Mm -hmm. Take away white uh, milk. White, white sticky. Don't yeah. substitute. So they wanted to know more about can you substitute or not at all? Look, 
Of course you can. And don't get me wrong, dairy products are beautiful sources of energy and especially the little children and most likely then also the very old ones. Mm. They need a little bit of milk or milk products because they can transform it very easily into a lot of energy. That is good. Okay. But if we are talking about imbalances, for example, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or changes that are going beyond the physiological mm -hmm. um, uh, intensity, then please consider milk products not to be the best possible source of energy, uh, calories or calcium. Mm -hmm. The concern very often is of my clients, especially the female clients, that the reduction of calorie, uh, calcium, is, calcium leading to osteo yes. Yes. is leading to osteoporosis. osteoporosis yes. In European treatment of osteoporosis, we, the calcium supplementation is almost completely put out of. And oh. um, we only treat nowadays with vitamin D. Right. Oh, yeah. that's and interesting. physical activity. Physical activity wow. and okay. vitamin D. But no calcium anymore. Because that's we know that calcium supplementation can, if you are not suffering from a calcium deficiency, right. Calcium supplementation can increase the risk to develop a cardiovascular event. And this is the killer number one. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Want. Okay. Um, that's very interesting. And that's something I, would have I didn't know at all, that we don't use any calcium supplementation. Until you, unless you are suffering from a calcium deficiency. Right. But that right. can be easily tested. Um, Dr. Fegel, I'm going to quickly, we've got about three minutes left, so I'm going to mm -hmm. rush through one or two questions. Someone's asking, does beetroot have a high hormonal effect? And someone else wanted to know about lime and lemon for cancer mm -hmm. treatments, because she's saying they have a lot of it. Also, beetroot, uh, I'm not very much aware of a huge hormonal effect. Uh, it's maybe that the beetroot is uh, containing a higher level of fructose inside fruit sugar. And it, with that, again, affecting the androgens, the estrogen-alike uh, hormones, to be increased. That is the one thing. Uh, secondly, uh, with lime and lemon juice. Uh, lime and lemon juice, if you consume small quantities of that prior to a meal, you increase your digestive strength. And with that, you uh, make it more likely that you digest uh, uh, foods rich in proteins easier and more complete. So with that, you can support your digestion of protein bombs. But uh, to cure cancer with lime and lemon, not that I know of. Yeah? Sometimes high dosage vitamin C therapy is, uh, is recommended by me or through me and my colleagues. But this is a decision or a recommendation that is based on a proper examination and individually given and to uh, do high-dosage high, uh, vitamin, high vitamin C therapy with the consumption of uh, lemon. Uh, that is impossible. You would uh, need to consume more than 200 a day uh, and no one would feel comfortable with it. Yes. Um, Dr. Fegel, someone else is asking about, you, you, just, you were talking just now about, you said cardiovascular disease. They're asking, mm -hmm. did you mean calcification of arteries? 
Uh, the cardiovascular event is, uh, is, for example, a stroke, is a myocardial infarction that can be caused by uh, atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is an inflammatory change inside of the vessels, making, uh, producing a stenosis more and more. But a cardiovascular event can also be caused by an angina pectoris, for example. That means a spastic reaction of the coronary arteries, mm-hmm. blocking the blood circulation for a certain period of time. And both uh, causes of an, of an a cardiovascular event uh, can be caused by and uh, um, becoming more likely if someone is experiencing a high calcification. And the, okay, thank you. And the last question I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. is actually a very relevant one because it's come up a few times in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Someone said a lot of elderly people take glucosamine sulfate tablet supplementation for bone wear and tear. Mm-hmm. What, what is your opinion on this? Uh, you can take chondroitin sulfate and glucosamine acid, for example, to support the nourishment of your cartilage in the joints. So what was the first one you said? Chondroitin sulfate, chondroitin sulfate and glucosamine acid. They are nourishing the cartilage and they are not nourishing the bone. For bone nourishment, you need the physical attraction. That means the physical activity, Mm -hmm. sport, the usage of... uh, yeah, really, of mechanical uh, stress on the bone. That is important. And, of course, vitamin D. If you want to be then very sophisticated, you can add vitamin K2 at, uh, K2 at the same time, for example, also vitamin A. But if you once got diagnosed by, uh, to suffer from osteopenia, please consult one of your physicians mm-hmm. to... Uh, receive a proper recommendation and if you don't get a proper recommendation move your four letters yeah be physically active and tidy up your vitamin d intake okay thank you thank you dr Faber. now my last question for you something people are also have been asked you're based as most of you know dr Faber is based in uh, austria at the viva maya clinic but he does come to london when are you in london next uh, it is because of the uh, actual situation and because of uh, a, person, a personal situation here in Althersee where I'm normally ta- uh, working, uh, not completely clear. I'm super happy uh, that I have a fantastic and wonderful colleague in uh, London that is keeping the Viva Maya flags high. Right. Her name is Katrin Brower. She is a general practitioner, expert on uh, internal, uh, in internal physician internal medicine and practices a very holistic approach and she owns a golden heart that is i think a, a okay, nice combination. So i will put the contact details i would thank be you happy so much this. as always you give us such a wealth of information thank you thank you for your patience with my english and i hope i didn't cause too much of a con- uh, con- uh, confusion i would be happy if there are questions please contact viva maya contact one of us physicians, or if you have a very uh, personal uh, question and, and concern, please use one of our telemedicine channels to book um, a Zoom meeting or a consultation. I wish you health. Stay safe and confident. Bye-bye. Best regards Thank from Austria. Thank you so much. Thank you bye-bye. again. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.
Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the Wellness Curated podcast. Please subscribe and tell your friends and family about it. And here's to you leading your best life.